Hello and welcome to Peace of Mind, a podcast looking at mental health and psychiatric conditions and the science behind these conditions. My name is Borgio Lagagna. I'm the research coordinator for the National Centre for Mental Health and we're based here at Cardiff University but also across Swansea and uh, Bangor. So we're bringing you a conversations uh, from patients affected by these conditions alongside researchers working at furthering the standing of an incredibly complex area of psychology and biology. This episode, we're focusing and we'll be talking about post-traumatic stress disorder, or as it's more commonly known, PTSD. I'd like to welcome our guests, uh, Dr. Neil Kitchener, Director and Clinical Leader of Veterans NHS of Wales, and Darren George, a RAF veteran, uh, who will speak to us about his experience with PTSD. Thank you both for joining us and for agreeing to uh, speak with us. So thank you for your time as well. Um, I think the best place to start would be to speak to Neil about your work and your background and just to get a, an idea of what is PTSD and why you work on such a condition and find it so interesting. Yeah, yeah so thanks for inviting me. Um, so I, I've been interested in, in PTSD uh, from fairly early on in my career. So I, I trained initially as a mental health nurse in 85 and uh, came to Wales to work in the forensic services here. And I suppose my first exposure to PTSD as a disorder was working in a secure hospital where one of my first patients was a, a female who'd murdered her boss um, with a knife. And a you know, very traumatic event for both parties. Uh, one survived and one didn't. And the one that survived developed PTSD as a result of her actions. And so that was very interesting to to meet someone that had PTSD through through murdering someone. And I worked um, worked with that person, that lady, for about four years while she was with us. And uh, she was diagnosed with PTSD about a year or so after her uh, stay with us and was offered uh, psychological treatment, which I, I gave her under supervision from a clinical nurse specialist. And you know, thankfully that treatment was very successful and, and it was you know amazing to see someone with uh, severe symptoms um, become uh, symptom free after a fairly short period of psychological uh, therapy. So I, I developed an interest there. I went off to university to become a, a psychological therapist in cognitive and behavior therapy yep. and have developed an interest in PTSD uh, and working with uh, civilians and veterans ever since. Excellent. So that, that's quite an interesting story uh, considering, I mean, someone developing PTSD, having murdered someone. So what usually are the causes of PTSD? Um, is it a specific uh, traumatic event? Well, it, it, it's very wide, isn't it? So so as humans, we go through lots of different challenges during our, our lifetime. And um, so some of us have been exposed to traumatic events as children, um, where we may have been physically, sexually or emotionally abused by caregivers. And that can be very uh, traumatic and give us problems later on in life. And then as adults, you know, when we go out in in towns and drive cars, we can be uh, assaulted or crash crash things. We can be on planes that crash. We can be in natural disasters sure. with, with tsunamis and fires and all sorts of things. So, you know, 90% of us uh, in our lifetime will be exposed to a traumatic event where we could develop post-traumatic stress disorder. Wow. So, um, Darren, um, if I bring you in, and just uh, so thanks again for joining us. Um, if you could tell us about your uh, experiences and your time in the military and uh, how you came to uh, be diagnosed with PTSD. Okay, um, I spent about 10 years in the Royal Air Force. I started off as an airman, ended my career as a flight lieutenant uh, engineering officer. Excellent. 
um, the uh, time when I believe we I developed the PTSD um, was on an operation with the Chinooks flying in the Atlas Mountains. Um, it was a good detachment. Um, we were just about to wind up and finish. And um, the as, as tradition, we, um, we go out and, and have a few drinks, celebrate to, to relax, to yeah. Yeah, blow off some steam just before we go back uh, to the UK. Um, that night, um, some of my airmen uh, took a trinket from uh, a bar to take home to put in the squadron bar. Um, usually have a little story behind them. Um, there's a lot of collection of things uh, wh which um, people like to talk about when sure. they've had a drink. Um, although that wasn't the right thing to do, um, what happened next didn't really uh, wasn't justified um, for what they had done. Um, they were found with this item on them. Um, they were put on their knees, uh, guns put to their heads, um, threatened with uh, other weapons, um, and were told if they couldn't get um, the rest of the trinket back, um, that they would um, that they they would uh, feel the consequences. Yeah. So I wasn't aware that this was all happening um, while we were in the bar. They were taken off to a room. Um, as I was leaving the bar, I saw them, um, out of the corner of my eye, yeah. um, wanted to know what was going on as their officer felt responsible for them, got involved in the situation, realized how, um, intense it was and decided, um, that it, it should be me that, that, that deals with this. Sure. Um, yeah. that it was difficult. Uh, we needed a translator, um, the emotions were tense when the other officers was attacked and knocked out. Um, you could see the fear in my men's uh, eyes at that point. Um, we eventually sorted it. Um, ev everything um, went back to normal, but um, the men broke down emotionally, whereas I remained flat yeah. and, and responsive to the whole situation. Um, went back home, reported it to my senior officers, um, and that was the end of it. Um, and I thought, fine, I've dealt, dealt with this well, um, and went on my uh, merry way. Yeah. Carried on my career, um, and just things started. To, things started to change at that point, but not in the way that I would have expected from what I knew about post-traumatic stress disorder. I started to not want to go out. Um, started getting migraines. Couldn't relax. Just wanted to work, work, work all the time. Um, so I, was that almost to like distract yourself? Or? I, I think so. Yeah. Um, Although in the military, that's almost encouraged. Yeah. You know, they, they, they won't say no to someone it's working. Putting the overtime in, yeah. No. And, and, and people pride themselves on, on their hard work. Yeah, of course. So, uh, yeah. Um, and it wasn't until almost 10 years later that um, I realized there was something really wrong. It just crept up on me over time. So a whole decade. Yeah. Wow. So that that's quite interesting. Um regards to uh, misconceptions about PTSD. So, Neil, people often talk about PTSD and assume that PTSD happens immediately after or occurs immediately after mm. an event. But like we say with Darren, a whole decade, 10 years later, that these uh, symptoms started to um, present themselves. Yeah, yeah. So that's very interesting. And, and the research would show that uh, not everyone develops um, intrusive images, nightmares or flashbacks and avoidance behaviours straight after. A trauma, although you know a substantial uh, amount of people do. Um, in Darren's case, he probably had what we'd call a delayed onset, um, and that was probably driven by 
various psychosocial stresses that Darren was under at the time um, that uh, tipped him over the edge, if you like. So our, our individual capacity to cope is compromised. Sure. Uh, yeah. And we all have a different level of capacity to cope with stressors. Um, and I imagine once they were tipped too far, then uh, Darren's symptoms emerged, which he'd been able to box off and, and keep keep filed away. Okay, so what was the what was the process of uh, of how you ended up working with Neil? So you guys, just so uh, whoever's listening understands, you know each other, you've worked together, and uh, Neil's been uh, instrumental in your treatment. So what was the process before you uh, became aware of Veterans NHS Wales and um, what were your experiences uh, during that time? Okay, um, so you initially realised that there, there's something wrong. Um, I took myself to the doctors. Um, they go through a process that the GPs, they, I'm assuming they, they have to. It's take two weeks off. It could be stress. Yeah. Um, they don't really dig too deep at that point. Um, after the two weeks, I said, there's still something something wrong. And, and at that point, I sort of happened to see a different doctor. Um, and I think they were a little bit more aware of PTSD started ask a few questions um, and said I'm not sure what's wrong but I think you need a, a, a mental health assessment yeah so um, you wait to be referred uh, to some specialists where I saw psychiatric nurses you, you're interviewed um, you talk through everything that's going on and then they put your case forward to a panel and the panel come back with a, whether, what they think is the right course of treatment so at that point they referred me to the veterans nhs wales and a month or two later um i got to meet with neil um who formally diagnosed me and with that diagnosis was how how did it feel receiving that diagnosis um was it a relief was it uh it's it, it's a double-edged sword um you are relieved because somebody's telling you there is something wrong and it's not just you you're not just miserable lazy can't handle work um because those are the things you you worry sure um but then at the same time it's uh, oh my god i've got ptsd sure. uh what do we do about about this so it can be quite a frightening time yes in in addition to having the the symptoms yeah no that makes a lot of sense um how did you in terms of treatment what, what did you find uh the best route what what helped you okay so um after neil uh, had a couple of sessions with with me um he decided that um that there was there was two ways of going with the, with the treatment and from what i'd been telling him he believed the cognitive processing therapy was the way forward yeah. for me um which i found so useful it, it, i can't um state how important that has been to changing so this is like a form of cognitive behavioral therapy so is that right that's right yeah so there are several different versions of trauma-focused psychological therapy uh, cognitive processing therapies is very much a, a cognitive-based therapy that looks at the patient's thoughts about why the trauma happened uh, why they've still got symptoms and what they think about their symptoms sure okay so from, from um, being in the military and you you take pride in be able to handle situations and and it's difficult to ask for help in the first place but the cognitive processing therapy um slowly gave me the tools and taught me how to use the tools that i could use then for when i had an episode yeah that i could work my way through it and make realize that what i was thinking and what i was doing um was based on emotions and trying to protect myself rather than 
on logic and fact and and the so way you we should had be a thinking. kit available of tools that you could use that could help you so does your background military background kind of like help facilitate that or was that it, it it it's not so much my military background facilitates it but i think people that gravitate towards the military yeah are people that want to look after themselves sure. proud and what they can do using their initiative and finding ways around a problem and when you've got something like ptsd you haven't got the tools or the way to resolve that so um over the course of sort of 16 weeks um i would be sent home each week with homework and um tools to try out um different procedures or processes of working things out in the way i'm thinking and feeling and then um i would go back and the next session that i would do with neil would would go through go through that work and and pull out areas um in your life that you're creating these situations and you're unaware that you're doing it and this is all uh, veterans nhs yes so neil could you talk to us about veterans nhs wells and the work that you do as part of that service and um the way it helps uh, veterans yeah so um so this uh this service um, evolved from uh uh mod funded pilot so we were the welsh pilot based in cardiff and uh, we were very lucky in cardiff to have a eminent psychiatrist, uh, Professor Jonathan Bisson, who's ex-army psychiatrist with a big interest in PTSD and has been running the Cardiff and Vale Traumatic Stress Service you know, for about 17, 18 years and you know, international researcher and a, you know, we're very lucky. So, so the, the MOD came to speak to John, said, would you like some money? We said yes. Um, and we, uh, I, I volunteered to run that for two years, funded by MOD and Welsh Government. Um, I, I uh, tested through my PhD on it, a model for veterans coming through the NHS. And, and after that, we developed the All Wales Veterans, NHS Wales Veterans Service funded by Welsh Government. So we, we now have a whole Wales service um, and we probably have about 18 veterans therapists across all the seven health boards who only see veterans who reside in Wales and have a service related mental health problem. And that doesn't have to be PTSD, but the majority of it is currently but we also see um, veterans with alcohol problems, um, anxiety and depression, and, and relationship issues, and, all, and loads of other psychosocial problems that need some, they need some help with. Sure. So, um, Darren, what was the impact on your family? So, from my perspective, I, from what I understand, is that it's relatively it's easier for people in, a, in the civilian world to uh, understand. Uh, a traumatic event if it's a car crash if it's a mugging or if it's some kind of assault because you can place yourself in that situation however i'm assuming it's going to be very different for someone who's in a combat situation to experience the trauma because it's so unique anyway let alone the unique situations you're going to experience within that environment um what was it like with your family and uh, going through that uh, difficult time ptsd is is difficult on on all members um, of the family, um, maybe not so much because they don't relate to um, what goes on in the military or compared to if you had a car crash. I, I think that people understand they see enough on the television to, to understand what people go through when, when they're in the military. Yeah. Um, the, the problem is PTSD itself. You, you're suffering with something initially you don't understand. It takes a long time to get your head around what's going on. The process takes a little bit of time for you to be re- referred. Um, and in that time, you haven't got the answers for yourself and you haven't got the answers for your family. And 
they they don't understand uh, it causes tension because they're worried that, that they um they've done something wrong or um you're worried because you know how how you're being and it's not fair on them uh, so so it's a cauldron of emotions for a while until the treatment starts and you can start getting an understanding of what you're actually going through sure so neil you were in the army yourself weren't you so yeah does that help in regards to working with veterans as part of veterans nhs wells for on both sides really does it help you down knowing that you're speaking to someone who has had the experience similar experiences and has seen similar things and does it help you neil again having seen and having experienced those things absolutely um th th there is a, a, a military context that you you do feel different to a civilian you feel that there's camaraderie because you've been through similar experiences and you understand this military world which is nothing like civilian sure, world yeah uh, and it's not meant to be because we're there to do a different job but having people that you can just say something to and they understand where you're coming from immediately without having to explain every situation or scenario, scenario is, is really beneficial yeah i think that's true i think a lot of um, our veterans have um you know, said to us uh, at various times have you served um and before i joined the army reserves i uh, had been an arm army cadet yeah uh, my father was uh, in the raf as a you know, regular serviceman um so i had some uh experience of it and in fact i used to deliver newspapers to u.s air force base chick sands which is a u.s air force base um so that, that was great too. <laughs> um, so I used to say that to my patients and they'd roll their eyes and, and then uh, you know, probably walk out the door thinking uh, he's not going to understand me. So when I was invited to join 203 Field Hospital, um, I did, and this is full of NHS doctors, nurses and physios, etc. And spent four years uh, as a captain in that uh, uh, 203. And we were lucky enough to deploy to Afghanistan in October 2013, which we all volunteered to do. And we were away for four months and I was part of the uh, British uh, Army's field mental health team, which meant that we left Camp Bastion on helicopters flown by um, Darren's colleagues and uh, Americans to go forward to operating bases, the main operating bases, patrol bases, um, uh, the like, and do a deliver a mental health clinic to yeah. serve in troops, which, uh, which was very satisfying and, and very exciting at times. And um, got to eat lots of pizza and, uh, <laughs> and not drink alcohol for four months. So would you say that the um, mental health provisions in the in the army, uh, in the services, are more progressive, further progressive compared to the civilian world? Because there is, uh, a, a, I mean, if we look at one of the stats I picked up was that if you're in the military, you're at the higher end of the spectrum, risk spectrum to develop PTSD, you're actually at 30% as opposed to 5 to 10% in the regular population. So if you're working with more people developing PTSD, um, obviously the treatment's going to be more progressive, I suppose. I, I think the the military's been really excellent um, in lots of different ways for the NHS, so developing physical, surgical and mental health yeah. treatments that we've taken from the military and embedded back into civilian world. So, so one of the good things that has been going uh, since about 2005 is trauma risk management, which the Royal Marines developed through um, psychiatrists. Neil Greenberg and colleagues, and that's been rolled out to the tri services where you have a trim, pre, trim, trim trained practitioner 
difficult to say that, um, <laughs> embedded in all ranks, who's responsible for talking to people like Darren and colleagues when they come back from a difficult situation, they would have a similar rank, um, go through a semi-structured interview yep. within 72 hours and do that again at four weeks. And if, if the symptoms are high, then there's a, a route, a fast track route to see the Defence Community Mental Health Team, which has psychiatrists, psychologists and CPNs and social workers, and they will offer an evidence-based treatment. So that gives people an early intervention. And like all diseases, if we catch the disease early, there's a better prognosis for treatment and outcome. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, one of the things we do here at the NCMH is that um, we do work with participants um, who have experienced PTSD. And I know that you, Darren, have taken part in one of our research studies and given us a sample. And we're, every podcast is going to be a big advert for people to give us a sample. And to, so um, how did you get involved with the NCMH? Um, Neil referred me. I, I was keen to, um, well done, to, Neil. <laughs> to help as much as possible. As I started to come out the other side of the PTSD, I realized it, it takes parts of your life from you slowly. So the yeah. more I could do to help others either nip this in, in the bud or push them towards getting help um, and any further knowledge that we can get on, on, on the subject, then the better, really. So um, Neil mentioned it. I said I was interested. Um, it involved a half an hour, 45 minute um, interview, which was over the phone. Yeah. Um, they sent out a pack as a saliva test, which you then sent away to see if there's something in your DNA that makes you more potentially more um, susceptible to PTSD. Yep. So that saliva sample would have been picked up by me. So I would, I would be the person who opened that pack or one of our colleagues would open that pack and we would have logged it and, and it would be completely anonymized. Um, and the things that we do with it are very similar to what you say. So what we're doing at the NCMH is we're taking saliva samples, we're taking blood samples from our participants, whether you've got a mental health condition or whether you're just a family member who wants to access a control. Controls in biological studies are just as important as um, those with the actual condition. We need to be able to compare. And in our labs, our amazing tech team and lab team, they extract the DNA, genotype it, and then we have that data available to work with international collaborations to work on some really exciting, really exciting research projects. So, um, Neil, I thought we could move into more of some of the research uh, themes of NCMH to do with PTSD. And one of the really interesting uh, things that is coming along is the 3MDR project and the NCMH PTSD uh, registry. Mm. Could you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, yeah. So let's start with the PTSD registry because that's um, what Darren's been uh, has gone through. So the NCMH is interested in lots of different disorders, and one of those is post-traumatic stress disorder, and we're um, we're able to ask veterans like Darren to take part so they go through this process of a semi-structured interview and um, give some DNA. So we're very, we're very up for that and we ask all our veterans who come into treatment to take part because like Darren says we need to find cures for these disorders if, if we can. Um, so that's really exciting and I think um, you can correct me here but I think the NCMH has probably had about seven to eight thousand participants yeah, yeah, that is that. That's right. We've had over, I think, in terms of participants, it's nearly ten thousand now, nine nine thousand five hundred. Um, in terms of biological samples, we're well over seven thousand now. Right. Um. So, one of the things we're always looking for is more participants, more people to give their their samples. So, 
there is no limit to the amount of, the only limit is space but otherwise um the, uh, there is no limit in the amount of people that we want to work with so how does the um the 3mdr project work so 3mdr is let me get this right modular motion assisted memory desensitization and reconsolidation i'm glad you said that <laughs> <laughs> so let's call it 3mdr for yeah we'll on. just stay with that that's yeah fine. that's great so um so this is actually a novel new treatment which we're, we're trialing in Cardiff. We don't know whether it's going to work or not, but we we've borrowed it from the Dutch military. Uh, so yeah, John Bisson and his colleagues um, in the Netherlands uh, talked about this. John went to have a look at their lab, and luckily we have this sim a similar lab in UHW Hospital where we have a treadmill which is sunken into the floor with a 180 virtual reality screen with, that goes around the treadmill. Wow! And basically, the 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 idea is that you get the participant to walk for 60 minutes whilst they go through seven images of their uh, traumatic event which they've brought in on a usb stick with a piece of music that reminds them of their deployment um, and the therapist helps them go through what feels like a virtual reality tunnel they walk down this tunnel the door opens and there's their first picture mm -hmm. and the picture gets bigger and bigger as they keep walking so they're walking back into their trauma and by doing so they can't avoid it and as we know with ptsd patients they try not to think about it talk about it and avoidance is one of the major problems that keeps PTSD going. So this kind of nails that by saying, just walk into it and keep walking. And we'll be with you every step of the way as your therapist. And we're going to do seven photos in, in 60 minutes. And we think and we hope that this will help the patient to be able to emotionally process and consolidate that memory into the past. Yeah. Because if when you think about it, all PTSD is something that's happened a long time ago, either weeks, months or years ago. It's in the past. It's not happening now. Yeah. So we, we need to help the brain realise that and move that traumatic memory and file it to where it should be in the past. It's a really, really interesting project. I mean, I've seen some pictures of some, some of the talks we have here and at the NCMH of some of the kit, and it looks fascinating. I've never seen, to be honest, I've never seen anything like that. It seems a very involved way of, and a really high-tech way of treatment. Um, are you guys are you, are you still looking for volunteers, still looking for participants to take part in it? We certainly are. So we're, we've just opened uh, for business and we've recruited about 10 veterans who uh, are deemed as treatment resistant. So that yeah. means they're, they're not Darren. So Darren had a good course of psychological therapy and came through the other side and it's much better. Had he not come through that therapy and was still symptomatic, he'd be deemed treatment resistant. And I'd be knocking on Darren's door again and saying, come and have a walk on a treadmill with me and let's let's try this new novel treatment. It's a really positive, I think a really positive project. Um, any projects that we talk about on the podcast, any papers or research that we talk about, we will put up on our uh, websites. So if you go to ncmh.info forward slash podcasts, there's links to all our podcasts and uh, any kind of materials, so any papers and links to the research uh, projects that we talk about. If you go to ncmh.info, you'll be able to find out much more about the work that NCMH does, but also our our friends at the MRC Centre uh, here in Cardiff and at the NMHRI here in Cardiff. So we're a big umbrella of people doing lots of different things, and you'll be able to find out all the work we do. Um, you've also done some Cochrane reviews. Yeah. What's a Cochrane review? Cochrane review. Um, so Cochrane Reviews, again, is a bit of a Welsh thing, although it was um, uh, put together by a, a medic, Archie Cochrane, who was actually Scottish, but was working in, in Wales at the time. And it was, you know, when we were looking at what, what works for er any disease, there's a lack of systematic way to collect evidence. So 
Archie Cochrane and colleagues came up with Cochrane Reviews, which basically means that experts in a particular disorder, for instance, PTSD, would get together. They would extract all the published research, so the randomised controlled trials where, where there are trials, and extract the data from those and put that into a bit of software that does some crunching of data and it comes out with some nice graphs and forest plots which tells us whether any any of the treatments that have been tried on a particular disease have worked and, and how well they've worked. So Cochrane Reviews use lots of um, yeah, very clever people, clever software that um, are able to produce guidelines and uh, information for others to either do further research on or for us to guide our, our clinical interventions. So for instance, in PTSD, when in 2005, when John Bisson and Anne Ellers and team looked at yeah. developing guidelines for PTSD, the treatments that seemed to work well then uh, were trauma-focused CBT and EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing therapy. Oh, okay. So those those two psychological disorder uh, treatments went into guidelines, and that's what we should be offering patients um, who've got PTSD. Excellent. Um, so one of the interesting things that uh, NCMH has been uh, lucky to be part of, actually, and more than likely, Darren, your sample will, will end up being part of this as well, is a genetics study that's uh, been, it's an international genetics study, recently has been published in molecular psychiatry. So we'll put that link up again on our ncmh.info forward slash podcast page. And this was looking at a 20,000 person study and there showed that there was a genetic risk implicated in PTSD. And one of the key findings from that was that there was a 29% heritability in European American women. Basically, this means that three in 10 PTSD diagnoses amongst these women specifically could be linked to common, common genetic variants. Um, Women are more likely to develop PTSD. Is there a particular reason for this? Um, so, uh, yeah, so, so the research isn't uh, you know, that sound to give us the definitive answer to that, but we can speculate that maybe uh, females are more uh, and better at seeking help yeah. for treatment. So you're rather than uh, the male stereotype of avoiding it and burying his head in uh, the sand or drugs and alcohol, sure. then I think females are much more able to go and seek help. And so maybe that's one of the reasons that uh, they're more uh, prevalent. So, I mean, NCMH is contributing to this study and we're, look, we're hopefully looking to get a goal of 75,000 participants for a future international collaboration, which was give us some incredible data. Um, Darren, talking about that kind of like uh, the typical male, you know, reserved, I'll deal with it. Is that something that you came across or is that something that uh, are more people that, you know, able to speak about the experiences with PTSD? Yeah, um, to start with, I, I would say, yeah, there, there's a pride thing going for help. Sure. You should be able to sort this out yourself. Why has it affected you? It didn't affect the others. What, um, you know, just brush it aside. Keep yourself busy. I've got far more important things to be thinking about than this. So you would create work for yourself to justify why you didn't have to deal with these these issues and over time then that becomes a habit and you just work 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 whether that's home or, or whatever it is you you distract yourself um what i've noticed over the last year or so where i've told people i've got ptsd um i've always been open and we joke about it in work just to rather than the elephant in the room and yeah, no sure, talking yeah. about it I, i'd rather people be open and not uneasy to tiptoeing around me um but more and more people are open are opening up about similar things 
that they've gone through or emotions they've gone through it's almost as if one of you lays your card on the table then the others are more likely uh, to do the same but up to that point it's a oh i can't tell anybody yeah you know, i've got a mental yeah. health and, and there there is a stigma around having, having yeah, a mental health issue that's something that NCMH is one, one, one of the remits is that we're going to, in, in addition to doing research, in addition to doing the um, NHS work, um, is education. And we also try to combat stigma through our communications and engagement work that we do. So have you, exper what kind of, have you experienced any stigma going along with PTSD? Or I, I think um, at first people don't know what to do. If I go from um, work side and social side, so in work, your managers are not quite sure what to do yeah. how to deal with it um you go to occupational health but then not experts either and and people aren't quite sure what's the best and and that's been a little bit of a learning curve from both sides with work on i'm not quite sure what i need they're not quite sure what to do so that's a difficult area to find out whether that's working flexibly working from home yeah um so one of the things, uh, well, uh, I suppose regarding stigma, do you think that it's uh, a lot, has it been dampened down? Has it been? The, the, the stigma, um, everybody in, in work has been absolutely fine with it. And, and I think it's easier if you're open yeah. and, and you talk about it, it gets rid of the stigma. I think for the, uh, uh, like, I think everyone knows, uh, there's a lot of people who know people who have mental health conditions. Yeah. And I've been in a situation where I've, I've had people who, know, who have had mental health conditions. We make light of it we joke about yeah. it in a positive way so do you feel like you know being able to speak about it be jokey about it any of our previous uh, podcast we also were quite light-hearted about it is that kind of like a good way of uh, coming to terms with it and also talking about for, it for me um it definitely it's definitely worked um you've <clears throat> although i must admit there has been times where um i've been in a certain kind of place mentally that i'm not sure how that will go down but because everybody was aware i yeah. could just put my hand up and say look i'm having a difficult day a few colleagues have recognized i was having difficult days and said you know maybe it's time you, you should just go home today um and that has helped because you're not always the best best judge of, of how you feel at that moment but yeah. the way for me i've coped with it has been through a little bit of humor and that might be a military that seems to yeah. be a military thing that we deal with a lot of serious things in humor. So it's a way of talking about it without getting too. Would you agree, Neil? No, definitely. I yeah. think the black humor that the um, armed forces, police, and fire service use is, uh, is, and the NHS actually, yeah, yeah, is very common and very helpful to get people through some very difficult moments at work. So earlier on, we spoke about um, you had a toolkit um, and some of your treatment, and one of the other things that you're involved with, Neil, is this uh, rapid pro study. Which is looking at a guided self, uh, so self help. Self help. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very yeah. much for that. Yeah. 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 So that's that's a really uh, another interesting study that the the team here. So this is um, uh, John Bisson, Neil Roberts, Catherine Lewis, um, uh, and, and others. Sorry if I've forgotten to mention names. But uh, we, we're looking at um, testing a guided self help website, which we've already uh, completed on one randomized controlled trial of forty two patients yeah. in Cardiff. We're running this out now across. Um, England and, and Scotland so we're recruiting patients with pretty you know, mild to moderate PTSD so they've probably had a one-off trauma car crash assault 
sexual assault or, or, or fire or something and they've got PTSD and we're going to randomize those patients to either the guided self-help website or to the kind of gold standard trauma-focused psychological face-to-face over 12 sessions therapy. And we're going to see whether the, you know, the guided self-help website is as good as um, the t- t- traditional one-to-one therapy. The good thing about the website is you're, you're giving the patient much more um, time and responsibility to treat themselves. Yeah. So you we're trying to minimize well we are we're minimizing the amount of face-to-face exposure so rather than 12 to 16 hours of face-to-face contact we're, we're taking it down to three and a half so there's an ownership of a uh, of your own treatment ultimately you're able to does, i suppose that would help part, part patients and participants be able to feel like they're taking control of their of their own recovery and their own condition yeah yeah we, we hope so and we think you know it's a modern way to uh, treat things the website comes with an app yeah. So you can either work off your phone or or the website or, or you know, it syncs. So it's really great. Um, but we also know that coming for therapy is a bit of a pain, yeah. isn't it? Because you need to take time off work if you're working. It's usually a nine to five appointment. You know, it's difficulty parking, all that stuff that's painful. Whereas if you if you give someone less face to face time and say, if you follow these steps in this website, we think this will help you treat yourself and we'll guide you through those steps. So there are nine steps and we ask the patient to go off and do so many steps before they come back in two weeks time for a half an hour interview catch up how's it going any problems and then off they go again for another two weeks and in between sessions we give them a quick phone call for yeah. a couple of minutes or an email but what, what patients report is they can do it in their own time so if they're busy working they can do their therapy at night time if they're busy looking after children they can do it when the kids are at school or when the kids are in bed so it's, it's giving me people more flexibility absolutely that's really that's, that's fantastic so again that could be found on the ncmh website i suppose in regards to more information about that so that's that's the rapid study yes fantastic so i mean we're doing a lot of work looking at ptsd with ncmh i suppose that we do have a very strong background in that because of people like john b son and so i think would you say it's a positive time for ptsd research for ptsd treatment and understanding i mean i i, I assume that in the last 10 or 20 years that PTSD has become has come a lot more to the fore and a lot less stigma stigmatized yeah I mean I think I think we're in this this very Darren said earlier didn't they about less stigma and yeah people are able to open up once we start to talk and so the campaigns that are going on at the moment that um Prince Harry's involved in in you know um talking heads uh the contact group that we're involved in these are all campaigns to get people to talk about their mental health so both princes and kate uh, are involved in lots of media stuff to get stigma reduced so that those conversations are really helpful and prince harry being a you know uh, ex-military guy himself who's been to afghan on several occasions you know he's very pro military yeah. personnel getting the right treatment so with people high profile people like that i think we're in a a phase where stigma is going to reduce and military personnel will will step up and come forward i think it really i mean honestly dan it really does help having people who had first had experience of the of things like this speaking about it and it helps i mean we were speaking before the podcast just briefly when we first met and it helps people in the lab or from another side of the research project or doing whatever behind the scenes on these projects to meet participants and to understand the the, the things they've been through because it definitely gives you a better perspective of why you're doing the research that you're doing it's very easy to get bogged down saying we've done a recent study in twenty thousand people we've got you know five hundred thousand markers and found all these things but they're just numbers ultimately so it's you know 
thanks so much for talking about your experiences. It's definitely kind of helped me to understand a lot more about it and a lot more of the excellent work that NCMH does. So how are you these days? How are things these days? Uh, good. Um, I was talking to Neil just before we, we started, um, and, and it goes back to the self-help that um, had a little rough patch. I, I started my treatment about a year ago yeah. um, for the last eight months. Everything's been great. Started to have a few symptoms again. Um, but the first thing I did, go back to my book, work through some of the issues, work, use the tools that I've got there. I've, I have a plan that if I feel like PTSD is coming back a little bit, um, that I can work through that. And um, I knew, read the signs immediately, um, spoke to work, uh, got some time off, uh, been to the doctors, um, review some of the medication that, that I was on to try and get the balance right. Sure. And I've managed to then nip it all in the bud and not let myself get back to where I was. So that confidence I have now that um, I'm not in a parent-child relationship where I have to keep going back sure. uh, yeah. to Neil. To that's the only way I can I can get better. I feel like he's given me the tools that I can use these whenever. Um, it, or hopefully, it one day it won't raise this ugly head. But for now, I've got the tools to to deal with it. Yeah. Which one of us is parent? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just to say as well, um, I really recommend that uh, if you are interested in PTSD, if you're concerned about PTSD. Um, if anyone has symptoms obviously to go see their gp to speak to their families and to seek help there are amazing resources out there as well if you want to find out some more information ncmh is a very good resource mind are a very very good resource they've got excellent booklets on there is there any other ones that you'd recommend but there's a few few decent websites for ptsd now which um, are worth looking at and to give some sensible advice um nhs choices uh, which is um, an english website is worth worth looking at I'm sure, I'm sure we can do better here in Wales, in Wales yeah absolutely um well just to, I think that's, that's been great I've, I'd just like to say a big thank you to both of you for agreeing to take time out of your days and actually coming to speaking about your experiences um we really would like you if you're listening to rate and review us on iTunes so let us know what you think what can we do better what can we change and give us a five-star review after you told us what we can do better what we can change um go check us out on ncmh.info uh, forward slash podcasts if you want to take part in our studies, if you want to get in touch with us for anything, please do. We're, we're very, very approachable. Uh, check us out on Twitter and Facebook. And thank you very much for listening to Peace of Mind. And thank you, Neil and Darren. And we'll speak to you guys another time. Thank you. Um.